Let me go through some of the other things in the NFL that were surprising, and I've mentioned them, but I haven't gone into them in any detail. Tennessee dominated New England. Never close. They pulled Brady out early in the fourth quarter, if not at the top of the fourth quarter. This is Mike Vrabel, who played many years for the New England Patriots, and he's is a guy who played for Belichick for a long time, was an exceptionally good player. Mariota, out of the pocket. Mariota throws on the move. Touchdown! The connection to Janu Smith. And the Titans are on the board early. On that side of the ball, second and 15 for Tennessee. We approach six minutes to go first quarter. Mariota, rainbow, end zone. Caught! Touchdown, Corey Davis! Fantastic grab! Hand it to Henry. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Mariota gets out of the way so Henry can go wildcat. Touchdown, Tennessee! The full repertoire on display. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, try like hell at least not to drunk podcast. More on that shortly. Welcome in everybody to the midweek download destination for November 14th, 2018. The supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. Find me on all social media at Stone On Air. We've got listeners from all over the damn country here. And by listeners, I mean at least one listener from all the way on the other side of the country. I'll get to more of that here shortly. Uh, All right, all right, all right. So what am I going to do here today? Pretty standard show in the sense that it'll be a three-segment layout. Um, But I might surprise some of you a little bit for the final two-thirds of the show. A little kinder, gentler side of me not ranting and raving and mad as hell which i feel like i have a decent balance now certainly to be absolutely sure the uh, the balance is uh is shifted more towards ranting raving mad guy um i get that from some of my favorites like tony kornheiser on the front end of the uh, show there from his podcast earlier this week talking about the big Titans win in Nashville over the weekend. But I also believe that I can look at things from a more calm and collected kind of manner with some regularity. I guess that's um, that depends on who you ask and how you grade and evaluate things. But regardless of who you are, thank you so much for finding this weekly podcast. It drops, as they say, every Wednesday. So real quick, let's lay things out here real quick. The first segment here is going to be basically two uh, a two-segment open after I kind of get some of the potpourri, if you will, out of the way here to begin with. But primarily for the open, I want to talk about Joda Tongnapnua's watch party on election night 
and how I might have not understood exactly what I was attending, and I mean all this in a good way and kind of looking at myself as kind of a dummy a little bit, that and a few, and um, Soccer Wars. Soccer Wars are back! Soccer Wars are back! I have a feeling any day now we're going to get some real um, official announcements coming from the Chattanooga Football Club, and there's been a handful of announcements coming from the Chattanooga Red Wolves, and the Soccer Wars are alive and well, and that excites me because, I don't know, I think it's fun, and... um, I'm a sports kind of guy, and I've turned into kind of a soccer guy, and I'm I'm not rooting. Well, yeah, I am. I'm rooting for CFC, but I'm not rooting against the Chattanooga Red Wolves either. That more coming up here in a minute. Into the new um, year, 2019, I have two new ideas for the show. Might revamp many portions of it, just get some new sounders, new um, just refreshing the imaging, as we would say, in the industry. But I've got two things I want to work in. I think I might have mentioned in the past, but I cannot remember a recurring uh, small segments of the worst idea that'll have a little segment like eh, today's worst idea and the coolest thing. So anything that I run across over the course of a week that seems like just an awful idea or something that just pops out that's one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Sometimes they might be full segments. Sometimes they might just be mentions. Today, the worst idea and the coolest thing will both be showing up. I'll go ahead and get the worst idea out of the way here in just a second. The coolest thing is going to be the second segment of the show. So let's do worst idea first. Printed it off today. I was bouncing around looking for, what was I searching for? I cannot remember what it was. Make something great again. Again, it was it didn't have anything to do with Trump. It was something else. And then, if, of course, you start Googling that, you start getting all kinds of mess. And I ran into faketrumptweet.com. FakeTrumpTweet.com. And I believe that this website is maybe the worst idea. And if I had the sounders, I'd play it right there. What it does is, it's just this little simple, probably loaded with who knows how much malware and everything else, trying to trick you into clicking on a bunch of stuff you don't need to be clicking on. But it gives you the opportunity to make a tweet that they designed to give you a screenshot that looks exactly like at real Donald Trump. Uh, on Twitter, it's got his same profile picture, and it is it is disguised as a real tweet. Now I don't know what you can and can't do with this. I don't. It doesn't let you post it to Twitter like you like that was actually a tweet. But the amount of dullards and numbnuts all over this country uh, see anything on a social media and they have to click on it. They have to react. They have to they have to get all mad about it, even if they don't take two seconds to realize that it's uh, it's just completely fake. Whatever it is. Um, I, I, I'm not overly worried about this. I think it's kind of funny for the most part. I do think it's a bad idea. Again, it's not my problem that idiots can't figure out the difference between real and fake things, but that doesn't mean I don't still think it's a bad idea. So let's see at, uh, or I'm sorry. So I went to the website and I plugged it in just to see what happens. And this is the Don Trump tweet that I made that I deleted before I did anything with. Uh, looking again like it's coming straight from the president. The At Stone On Air podcast is the only podcast in America not regularly reporting fake news. And I hit go, and it gives the exact time I did it, 4.51, on November 13th, 2018, and it automatically gives it 3,923 retweets and over 4,000 likes. You can grab the uh, screenshot. You can get the downloadable uh, link and do whatever you want with it. I hit delete and moved along. That's today's worst thing. 
Now, on the other hand, this week's coolest thing is the entire second segment of the show. And I'm not going to give away much of it. You're going to have to weed your way through this entire segment to get to my point of why I think it's so cool. That's, you know, you've been warned. You might not agree and not think it's as cool as I do. But I got an email from somebody on the other side of the country, California to be exact, with an inquiry. And it was real. It was a person. And it was uh, it was an interesting dynamic of the whole way the thing came together. And I'm going to spend some time on it in the second segment of the show. One quick mention, did go to Nashville uh, over the weekend. Hung out with many friends. Had a uh, birthday party for a uh, toddler nephew of mine with the drive-by truckers. They bored me with a lackluster set. Hey, it happens. We can't all be perfect every night. And the worst part was is they played Ain't Talking About Love from Van Halen. I don't know what the hell the truckers are doing, but playing Van Halen, you know, radio-friendly songs, it isn't exactly entertaining me all that much when I'm already a little bored. There are exceptions here, but when a band resorts to a, uh, like, chart-topping, generalized, safe uh, radio hit cover song, that means either, either they are bored or their audience is bored. And either one of those are a bad situation. So all good either way. Had a great time at the cannery and then went and watched the Titans win. Big win over the Patriots on Sunday and drank a whole bunch and had the worst Monday ever. But, hey, I met Javon Curse at the Miller Lite tent, the for, former uh, Florida Gator and Titan and Philadelphia Eagle and wherever else he played, and that was certainly cool. And who didn't know that I drank too much and feel like garbage on a Monday. And before I get to the uh, opening segment here, the final segment of the show I'm calling America's Already Great. Now, I've used that terminology, I have a hat that says it, as a political statement. I don't mean that this go-around as a political statement. I mean it as an actual realistic statement. And that'll kind of piggyback off of the second segment as well. I know, a little cryptic on, on, this, on the last two-thirds. Just stick around with me and humor me, if you don't mind, and see where I am going. So we'll go to the first two uh, topics here. Quickly, uh, Joda Tongnapnua is, or was, I should say, a candidate for District 30 Tennessee State House. And he ran a great campaign. And he he uh, dropped a, a bunch of money because he raised a bunch of money. And he did really well, and he got a lot of votes. And um, it, I was invited to his election, um, I guess, watch party at his headquarters over on Brainerd Road. And I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun, but I didn't quite understand what I was doing, because I've never done anything like that before. And I realized that while I don't think I came across as disrespectful at any point, and if I did, I might have. And if I did, I apologize to anybody who might relay that message to anybody who might have thought of that. But I had good conversations all night. I don't I don't think that happened. I think there just might have been a time or two where I was like, dude, I don't know if you know where you're at. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So this is a this is a big blue room, right? Blue, 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 and we're watching MSNBC, which I'd always rather watch CNN. John uh, uh, John King is the man, but that's fine. Watching MSNBC, and I'm watching this as as somebody pulling for us a, a political side and wanting to see these results and reacting to them and not being like really loud about it but I am I am like with the people around me you're trying to make small talk with people that you know you have a lot of ideological uh, uh like-mindedness so you know you want to chit-chat it about it a little bit and so I'm I'm kind of reacting to what I see oh man look at that oh look at that oh dude did you see that and the early returns where Marsha Blackburn were just waxing 
of, of Phil Bredesen. And I didn't think he'd win. I thought he might do better than that. But I was reacting kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't subtle about it. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Well, what I didn't realize was in the other room behind me was the quote-unquote war room, and they were in there tracking real-time results and tracking different kinds of data that they had. This was this isn't some ragtag thing. I mean, this was a real election campaign headquarters tracking an election night. Now I'm just sitting there drinking gin and tonics, eating Mexican, you know, eating tacos, and um and and watching TV like I'm watching election night like I would in my house. Not realizing that that's not what this is about as much. This is more about Joda and his people, which are a big crew of people who have been on a payroll for how long? I don't know, all year, I guess, at least. And so what I, again, didn't realize was is that the polling, the data, the tracking, the numbers that they were that they were seeing, that was whichever way that the Senate race went between Blackburn and Bredesen in the state was very likely how the, uh, the, the, the state Senate State House number uh, District 30 between Joda and Esther Helton were going to go. So if Marsha is doing well, Esther is likely doing well also. If Phil Bredesen's doing well, then likely Joda Tongnapnua is as well. And I wasn't looking at it that way. And so it was kind of like, hey, would you pipe down about <laughs> the ass kicking going on with the Senate? All these people realize that. And, uh, yeah, this probably means that this race that we're trying to celebrate tonight is likely over. And you're looking at at least a half dozen, if not closer to a dozen people who are looking for a job come tomorrow, bro. Now, <laughs> nobody said it that way. Nobody, uh, called me out of that a couple times. Uh, Brad Steiner at one time, I should say, came up and was like, Hey man, keep this down. I don't want to hear, I don't want Joe to hear this. I don't want that. Uh, he, he, he might, you know, we're still looking at stuff back here. And I, at that point, I still didn't know exactly what the situation was because I've never been in anything like that. I was having fun. I was enjoying it. But it was less about the the election across the board as it was about that specific Tennessee District 30 uh, Senate House seat, which he did ultimately lose. Joda gave a great uh, concession speech there at the headquarters. And then I went home and had another couple of drinks and then did a podcast last week, and I was drunk. <laughs> I was absolutely drunk. And I listened back to the show, uh, just skimmed through it, and I didn't embarrass myself, but I was a little rambling, a little scattered, and um, absolutely intoxicated. And I'm going to try not to make it a uh, any kind of habit to be doing uh, anything like that. But it was a big night, and uh, it was a fun night. As I mentioned on a lot of social media, I mean, a lot of people I wanted to win lost. It doesn't mean I still didn't think it was fun. Democracy is fun. Voting is fun. Something I kept putting out there uh, on election day and leading up to it prior that I was like, do selfies. Put your sticker on your face. Put your sticker on your hat. You know, go overboard with with showing the world that you vote because we got to we got to create a fear of missing out. This is fun. This is democracy is literally fun. It's fun to watch. And uh, amongst all the the warts and the problems that come along with it, the overall process is um. I mean, it's just enjoyable, and it doesn't matter. It's not conditional based on whether my guy or gal won or not. 
I still want to be involved with the process as much as possible, regardless of how the outcome goes. And that's why a lot of people listen to this show. It's because it's a practical show that looks at things from different angles. Now, I've got my beliefs, my ideology is where it's at, and I'm never going to apologize for that. But um, you've come to the wrong place if you're looking for, uh, I'm mad at the other side, I'm a fight until I get my way. That's not how this works. All right, now on to Soccer Wars. And for any of the new listeners, I cannot bore the old listeners by resetting all of this. So if you're really interested and you don't know what this is about, just look at back at past shows, do some Google searches. We have Soccer Wars in this city on the low-level amateur and a very, very low-level uh professional and the rumors are back and things are the dust is starting to settle the uh, cfc looks like they've made a strong power play move to be right back into the mix and potentially never missing a beat never missing any amount of uh, of market share never missing any amount of buzz on the streets and let, let's let's just back up a couple of i guess at least a couple of weeks anyway so the Red Wolves, the new team, is going to be playing at Chattanooga Christian uh, High School for a year until they, quote-unquote, build a new stadium. I spent a segment on that in the last few weeks. I don't believe that's happening. I believe that they have gotten caught here with their, you know, their proverbial pants down, and they are scrambling and scrounging and probably panicking to figure out what to do. I believe that the Chattanooga Red Wolves thought for sure that they were going to be taking over residency at Finley Stadium and we're going to be able to operate going forward there. Do I know that for a fact? Not at all. Not at all. But that's what I believe. Because I don't believe that this this investment would have come from so far out of town if they didn't already feel like they had the perfect facility in which to operate from and with the Kind of bad blood that there was there between a handful of people involved with the Finley Stadium board and the CFC board. I believe they thought they were going to be able to push CFC out, take over the uh, the, the the venue, and be able to create and grow from there. Well, that didn't happen. And another, again, conjecture at this point, all conjecture. I believe that Tim Kelly, who's one of the smartest people I've ever met, I wish he'd run for mayor. I'd like him to run this town. Um I believe that he was able to gather enough influence because this, the stadium, Finley Stadium, is owned by the county and the city, and so the board members are replaceable. Like you know, this is this is all traceable numbers. These are all traceable salaries. These are all open record uh, positions. And I think somebody came in there and said, "Yeah, this out of town team's not coming in here," and anybody who votes that way, <laughs> just wait and see if you do. Like, this is not how this is going to happen. You don't get to make these these decisions in a back room. Once again, just trying to make sure everybody is on the same page here because all you got to do is rewind it and listen to it. Since this is a podcast, this is pure conjecture on my part. But what has come back around here now that's beginning to be closer to true is that the NPSL, the National uh, Jesus, whatever it is, the, the, the semi-pro league that the CFC has been in for the last 10 years is starting a pro league. Now, this has not been announced officially by the NPSL or CFC, but let's just start from where we're at now. So we know the Red Wolves are playing at C- uh, CCS and, quote-unquote, building a new stadium. Well, here, as of recently, Lamp Post, which is uh, kind of comes out of the uh, the Access America 
bunch of people involved, multi-million, now almost billion-dollar uh, logistics company uh, that just seems to be an incubator for things downtown. I don't know how they create money or how they make money, but all I know is for sure is they have a lot of it. And this is from the CFC official website posted on the 8th of November. Quote, this is Tim Kelly saying, bringing in lampposts as they're now becoming a partner is the next step in building a solid foundation for Chattanooga Football Club as we set our sights on the club moving to the next level, said Tim. Quote, Lamppost and its partners have done so much for Chattanooga, and we are pleased they are joining our team at this crucial time. Barry Large, founding partner of the Lamppost Group, will be joining Chattanooga Football Club's board of directors. Barry Large goes on to quote here, Lamppost is all about investing in the future of this great community. CFC has been a critical part of the ethos of Chattanooga over the past decades. Just some numbers a little further down here from the CFC website. Uh, Barry Large was a co-founder and CFO for Access America as the organization grew to $500 million in revenue as a logistics company over 12 years. In 14, they merged with Coyote Logistics. I believe they're out of Chicago. I used to do the entries for our bill of ladings from our shipments from logistics company all, all, all around the country. And Coyote, certainly on paper, seemed to be one of the biggest. And then in 15, ultimately, UPS bought out, yes, United Postal Service bought out uh, Coyote Logistics for $1.8 billion. These are people that have money to spend and things are looking incredible for the CFC. So from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, Gene Henley, who's on the beat for the Mox and CFC, wrote over the weekend, Chattanooga Football Club recently acquired partnership. I just read all of that. Uh, let's see. Multiple, report, multiple reports say the Chattanooga Club is one of 12 amateur franchises that will be part of the NPSL's new professional division. CFC would not confirm the reports, but the announced partnership with the lamppost group would suggest that it's possible. In addition, multiple sources have told the Times Free Press that the Chattanooga Football Club is very close, quote-unquote, to announcing a new deal with Finley Stadium. I don't have any insight on that as far as the new deal with the stadium, but I do have insight on the new pro league. I've been told by somebody who I absolutely believe understands 100% what's going on that yes it is absolutely a go there is a professional league that the CFC is going to be a part of and it's happening as soon as next year and on a full-time basis starting in 2020 and it looks like the stadium is about to be secured and after it looked like Tim and his guys were screwed it looks like the Chattanooga Red Wolves might be uh panicking a little bit at this point this is the one source that has put out anything officially on the new pro league it is from let me make sure i get this right frontrowsoccer.com and i i got this handed over to me the day after the election and then started getting more and more whispers of like hey is this true hey is this true and i eventually put it out on twitter hey tim kelly and other prominent cfc uh, at least people involved with the organization, what do you think? And I basically got a good news coming tweet from, from Tim Kelly himself. But I'll just read this real quick as I wrap up this first segment. The headline is, NPSL will start its pro division with Founders Cup next August and have at least 11 teams. Of course, the first paragraph is basically the headline, the NPSL Founders Cup 
will take place August of next year, basically just a abbreviated season after the uh, the final season, or at least in this leg of the amateur uh, season ends. And then a full season, which would run from spring until November, will be launched in 2020. So I stumbled on that a little bit. So basically, an abbreviated season once the already scheduled season taking place in 19, and then a full schedule starting in the spring all the way to November in 2020. He does say all information in this story came from national soccer sources. There'll be teams from New York, Detroit, Chattanooga, Miami, San Diego, Arizona, and Oakland. The 2020 season could see several more teams added to the league, which is entertaining ownership possibilities from Jacksonville, Virginia Beach, Asheville, North Carolina, and Seattle, all primarily in PSL teams. And nobody is denying this, and this is dude's uh, background. Michael Lewis, front row soccer editor, has covered eight World Cups, seven Olympics, and 21 MSL Cups. Lewis, who has been honored by the Press Club of Long Island and National Soccer Coaches Association of America, he has written seven books on the sport of soccer alone. Dude wouldn't put this out there if he didn't feel like it was true, and not a single person has denied it. The CFC has done what I should have not counted them out from. They took a situation that was almost unbelievable, a power play like this city has never seen, and Tim, I believe, maybe not solely, but certainly with his leadership and the people around him and his influence in this city, Tim Kelly I'm talking about, has figured out a way to turn the tides the other way and say, oh, yeah, you want to come in here and stomp on my turf? Well, watch this. How do you like them apples, bro? That's what's look, that looks like what's happened. And I was on their side from the beginning. I am not against the other side. I'm not rooting against the Chattanooga Red Wolves soccer club. I will do whatever I can to help promote what they're doing, and I will attend at least until their idea doesn't seem to make any sense, their events. But this was an ultimate power pendulum swinging the other way kind of situation that I still don't know a lot of details on, but I've been given enough hunch hunch nudge nudge wink winks that yeah this is what's happening and uh, all things are coming together and we should be getting some official announcements potentially any minute now i mean by the time this show is released it could be five seconds later that there's official uh, official announcements on this from uh, the mpsl and the chattanooga football club and so that's where we stand right now with the soccer wars of Chattanooga. This is a Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for November 14th, 2018. And coming up next, I got a, uh, or an, I should say, email from somebody who I first thought was a bot. And then after I continued to see more connection, I thought this is still a bot. And then I realized, nope, this is a real person looking to do something very thoughtful for somebody she cares about. And I'll read you that email and give you my thoughts on why I thought it was so cool. Coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Welcome back into the weekly dose for November 14th. 2018, you can be out in California, you can be down in Florida, you can be in Nashville, Tennessee, Knoxville, 
All places which I know regular listeners tune in. And I appreciate you being here. My name is Brian. This get on with it. This is the rest of the show that is two segments that'll kind of meld together a little bit. And just every now and again something grabs you and it just makes you think, damn it, really? That's crazy. That's cool. That's neat. That's not stuff that happens every day. I can't get that on MSNBC. I can't get that on Fox News. I can't get that on just some random website or some stupid social media. Now, the social media was a reason why this happened. More on that as I get into it. So I'm not hating on everything. Just saying every now and again, something just grabs you and makes you think, damn it, man, that was cool. And that is why this segment, I am calling, if I was doing my official segments, which I'll start next year, hopefully, with the Sounders, today's coolest thing. This is Cracker. Song's called Get Off This. One of my, if I were to put a list of favorite songs out there, 20 deep, it'd probably show up on the on there 20 deep. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I'm not sure. I don't care enough to sit down and do something like that. But it's at least in the ballpark of a song that I have uh, listened to my entire adult life and teenage life that has meant a little something to me. And... I guess um, I guess I'll give a little bit of the backstory first. I talked about this on the radio the other day. My first show uh, concert ever going going to that like parents dropped us off and let us go by ourselves and picked us up later was in 1994 to see the band Cracker open for Jim Blossoms, who opened for the Spin Doctors. Yes, we're just absolutely killing it at 14 years old. I get it. Make the jokes. But it was the first time we got to go do something like that. It was a Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta, Georgia. I think it's now the Solaris Amphitheater at Lakewood. And I got a, uh, a T-shirt at that concert. And I'll come back to that after I read you this email. But let me set up where the email comes from. So I'm on social media like I am every day. I have Twitter rolling every minute of the day. Twitter is always either, you know, in my handheld on my phone or in my background on my computer. There's almost never a time while I'm awake that Twitter isn't at an arm's length. Now, Facebook, I pop in and out of Snapchat. I pop in and out of, and that's just because a pretty girl snaps me during the day. So I want to see that. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't be looking at it. And Instagram, I keep a decent eye on, you know, scrolling when I'm bored kind of moment kind of thing. And I got an email that came through my website, stoneonair.com, which is completely dormant at this time. It is a, a completely unserviced, unregulated, unupdated uh, wasteland of a website. I, I, I hate that. I'm not happy about it. But, you know, only so many things got in my way over the last year and a half. I didn't have time to maintain it. It's still there. But I get a lot of spam through that. A lot of, uh, you know, via emails that come into my inbox via the Stone On Air, you know, domain generally means it's uh, it's spam. So I got this uh, email from Adriana Martinez. This is going to be a wild story is the name of the email on the subject line. I'm like, <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> yeah, good one. Nice try. And then I see very soon after... I get a Twitter follow 
Now, I look at all Twitter follows, and the Twitter notifications grab my attention every time. You can notify me about 10,000 things on Facebook, and I'm not going to get a shit about any of them, except for, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple. But Twitter, I look at every notification, and I said, wait, that's that same name I just saw in my inbox. What the uh, man? These bots are getting good. <laughs> they've got they've got their uh, you know they're they're really getting better at this. Yeah, sure, whatever. But I don't I don't deny any Twitter followers. I'll keep all of them. Then I get one through Instagram, and I don't have much spam at all rolling through Instagram because the only social media that I regulate closely is Instagram. Like I don't care who you are on Facebook. I don't care who you are on Twitter. I don't care who you are on Snapchat. I'm not paying that close of attention. But in Instagram, I do because I just want to keep it a little tighter and a little less clutter. So I get another message and request from Adriana Martinez now. So I'm thinking maybe this is an actual real person. Well, I look at her Instagram. It looks like she's based on just a quick uh, scroll. She's from California in her mid-20s. Could easily still be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Pretty girls just sending you random requests on social media, bro. You want to be careful with that. Well, I finally realized that this is a real person. The uh, copy and pasted message from the uh, email is now in the Instagram direct message. And uh, I'm, I'm going to now read this to you now. And, and, and again, for some reason, just found this to be such a cool situation. Again, the subject matter is this is going to be a wild story. Hi there. My name is Adriana Martinez. I know this is going to be an absolutely wild message. Please just humor me in reading it. When I first started dating my boyfriend, I once asked to borrow a T-shirt. When I picked one out, he all but freaked out. It told me that of all the t-shirts he had, I couldn't borrow the one I had grabbed. Later, when we laughed about it, he told me a story that when he was 14, he had gone to the 1994 Cal Expo to see Cracker in concert. He purchased a t-shirt there, and it became his favorite t-shirt at the time. Black with a blue dog smoking a cigarette. One day, he wore it to school, and in Spanish class... The girl he had a crush on who sat in front of him turned around and complimented his shirt. She asked to borrow it. He obliged, washed it, and brought it to school for her the next day. Once she had borrowed it, she moved out of state, and he never saw that T-shirt again. I've been picking through the Internet hoping to find this shirt on eBay or some vintage T-shirt shop so I could gift it to him for Christmas. When I first started searching, I didn't have enough info about the shirt to really even know what I was looking for. I got him to tell me the story again and took notes to have a more refined search. Finally, I found an image of the shirt on an old eBay listing and reverse image searched the picture. The only picture that came up with the t-shirt was one that you were wearing that you tweeted in 2016. This is so crazy and I'm so sorry for how crazy it is. I recognize that you also purchased that shirt in 1994 and that it is way vintage and I doubt you would want to part with it, seeing as you also seem to be a music enthusiast. But I would be remiss not to ask, would there be any chance in hell you would ever sell this shirt to me? Feel free to turn me away so fast. I am also in disbelief that I'm even asking you this. But this means a lot to me because I know it will mean a lot to him. 
involving you in some grand gesture and asking you to sell me your personal belongings is so out of line, and I am so very aware of that. I just figured if there was any chance, I had to take it. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you for taking the time to read this message. P.S. I am always searching for new podcasts, and I am looking forward to checking out yours. I don't know if I am overreacting. I don't know if for some reason the sentimentality of that is got I've gotten carried away with. But I think it is one of the coolest emails and stories that I have ever been involved in, or at least let me rephrase that, in a while. I don't want to be, you know, caught up in the moment, best show ever guy. But I just I was just like, holy wow, how neat is this situation? Just to give you the follow-up on the email, I replied back to her several days later. Hey, Adriana, I think this is so cool. Serious talk. You trying this hard to get your boyfriend this shirt is pretty awesome. Problem is, there is no chance I'm selling it. And even if I would, it's so old, it can't be washed because it might fall apart. That was my first concert, and Cracker is one of my favorite bands. I've seen them well over 50 times, and for most of those shows would wear that shirt. And then just a little bit, thank you, here's how to find the shows, all that. And that's absolutely true. For many, many years, I would go to Cracker shows and wear that shirt. It's to get off this dog from the video chasing a cigarette, and it just says Cracker on the back. Mine is so faded and so worn. If I just grabbed it and pulled it with a little bit of muscle, like not even... You know, I, I mean, you can tug on it a little bit, that's fine. But if I wanted to just grab it like Hulk Hogan style and just go like, you know, pull my hands apart, it would rip right apart. That's how um, how weathered it is, because not only is it old. Yes, I have a Citizen Dick shirt from the singles movie that's just as old, but I only worn it like 20 times in my life. I've worn that cracker shirt. Oh, 250 times in my life if I were to just make up a number. But every time I would go to the shows between 1994 and we'll just say, hell, I guess 2016. Well, with regularity, we'll say 94 to 2009, maybe. I wore that shirt every time. And Johnny Hickman, the guitar player, always recognized me wearing that shirt. And I had a pair of pants I liked to wear all the time, too. They were like, you know, holes in the knees, you know, blue jeans kind of thing. And I, I would always stick out because he would remember me, or at least he would pretend, but he'd see the shirt and be like, oh, he called me old school. Hey, look, it's old school. And if I didn't, if I couldn't find the shirt or if it was dirty or if it was, you know, balled up in the corner and I couldn't find it, it was going to a show, it, it, um, it disappointed me so much because I knew without that shirt, Johnny Hickman, the guitar player, wasn't going to remember who I was because I didn't have the old school get off this dog chasing the cigarette t-shirt. And the last time I wore it was to a show in 2015 or 16. She said 16. That might be right. And I had everything I had to do to suck in, you know, my gut and my, you know, stand up straight so that I, I could not look like this, you know, fat guy wearing a little shirt, you know, fat guy in a little coat, fat guy in a little shirt. <laughs> it was everything I could do to, to look respectable in it um, because I have finally outgrown it. And it can't be washed. It probably hasn't been washed in a decade. And it only gets broken out every so often to go to one of these shows. And then I just immediately take it off. And yeah, I could sell it, you know, but that would be, it would be for like $5 million, you know, $1 million. I'm not going to sell it for, you know, 10 grand or $10 or $500. That, that doesn't do me any good. Money like that doesn't mean anything to me. So if you got... 
Hey, Adriana, actually, if you've got $5 million, the shirt's yours. I never paid attention. I never looked too deep into your Facebook profile, if you even have one. I don't know if she found me on Facebook or not. But just overall, I, I think really in the end, and this is kind of what grabbed me the most and wanted to do a whole segment out of this, was that just the idea, just the attempt, just the effort to go this far to try to do something nice for somebody, somebody you care about, is so damn cool. And I hope that this dude, whoever he is, the boyfriend of hers, appreciates this segment if he ever listens to it, or just if she tells him the story or shows him the emails or whatever, I hope he appreciates that that potentially is way cooler than getting a hold of my 25-year-old raggedy about to you know just dissolve into dust t-shirt. You don't want my t-shirt. That's my world of memories. That's my that, that that's sentimental to me. You don't want my memories. My memories don't mean anything to you. You want your own memories. You know, it's it's like from the James McMurtry song the other day. I don't want another drink. I just want that last one again. You don't want my cracker shirt. You want your cracker shirt, and you're not going to get it. But you have somebody who cares enough about the situation that you're in to go this far to try to do something so over the moon, sweetheart, and just so cool. I hope that this guy, whoever he is, in this relationship with Adriana Martinez out in California, I hope that he understands how damn cool this is and that's why i wanted to spend what looks like going on 15 minutes talking about this shirt that was clearly made in very limited uh, quantities which does make it quite the uh, the valuable item but i'm telling you things like those there's not a price tag on that you can't buy something like that unless you were to run into a resale shop or somebody who you know just so happened to be selling you know etsy stuff out of their back seat of their car, buying and reselling stuff, which is still possible, but I wouldn't call it likely. And furthermore, I hope that just the mere attempt at trying to, uh, to, to locate an item like this and going to the depths that she did means more to this guy than the fact of actually getting a shirt like the one he used to have, but not the original one he used to have in his hands. But uh, that was fun. And that's going to lead into the next segment where I'm going to talk about this uh, this article that uh, was posted by my buddy Ernie Dempsey. And uh, I don't have it in front of me here because I left the damn thing at work again. So I'm going to have to pull it up on my phone and try to skim it and read it on there. But it's basically, yeah, America's pretty good. <laughs> America's pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's a pretty good place to be. And it's stories like the one I just told, the email, the, the, the relationships, the, th- the, the, the memories, the things that matter to people, the importance of the small things in life, because I do believe that the small things in life are overlooked and, and, uh, and, and underrated all of the time, that just kind of renews my faith in the overall human condition, certainly, of the United States of America. And I'll get into more of that in the next segment. But on the way out, I just wanted to read the lyrics from get off this from cracker because it's such a great song and i forgot man this is uh this is great stuff from david lowry the lead singer of that band and this is where the inspiration for the shirt with a dog and the cigarette came from the song get off this all these cats with holy jeans like holes in them holy 
dirty hair and titty rings. They say, hey, what's your scene, man? We got these questions. Is it true that you have sold your soul? I say, hey, man, I don't know, but if you lend me a quarter, I'll call my accountant. It's let's get off this and get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth and start this minute. Petty little Ayatollahs come around to judge and stone you. All we're trying to do is make a fortune. Yeah, we ain't got no government loans and no one sends us checks from home. But get this, we're just doing what we want of. So let's get off this and get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth and start this minute. Well, the guitar players are staying out in Hollywood and saying, we're just trying to get some sleep, but everyone's complaining. Are you truly deeply cynical? Because boy, you know that I loved you so. When no one knew your name and you were pompous, and you still are. Let's get off this and get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth and start this minute. This is the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for November 14th, 2018. Now, right back. Exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. We're all worried about the country. Uh, I'd say most of us are worried about the country. The divisions, the polarization, all the things that we see that are, you know, border on horrific, right? I mean, how did we get this way? I believe that the answer to heal our differences lies in the communities in which we live. If we can assert ourselves in the community, no one asks, well, what party are you in? And the real answer lies in each and every one of us, asserting ourselves and living a life a little bigger than ourselves in the community level. The bouncing of the walls, heated in the streets. That is John Richard Kasich, Jr. Take it for granted and then some. The governor of Ohio. Well, it's safe to assume that there ain't enough room. The guy I've been saying should be our president since 2016. If everyone wants to get near. But that's not what this is about. There's a deafening silence when everything stops. It's about things really aren't all that bad. To find its own promise and balance. And I think deep down we all know that. But it's safe to assume that there ain't enough room. But sometimes you need just a cool story to remind you of it. If everyone wants to get near This is Kevin Kenny. I said, where do you go when you close your eyes? I said, where do you go when you dream? The song's called A Good Country Mile. I see a white picket fence in a house on the hill And it's another one of those examples and from there I can see the lights that if you needed to stop listening to this podcast right now to listen to this, you know I'm just outside of heaven. You should. I 
about a good country mile I'm just outside of heaven About a good country mile And there's been some um, chatter as we're now on the other side of the midterm so the next well, there's a lot of different narratives and cycles, news cycles we're going to go through depending on what does or doesn't happen in the world. But the next talking points are going to start being who's running for president for both sides or is somebody going to try to, uh, to challenge Donald Trump in, the, in 2020, which, again, you just, you just don't see those kinds of things. Uh, I say, John, don't do it. John Kasich, don't do it. You're too good of a guy. You're too quality of a human. And I believe overall a very good politician. And I'm dead serious. I've been using the, you know, fictitious hashtag, uh, hashtag vote case or what, what the hell was it? Hashtag it's basic vote Kasich. I was saying that back on the talk radio station in uh, late 2015 and uh, early 2016. Because I only voted for... Uh, Hillary Clinton in uh, November of 16 because I got scared because I got because I got terrified because <laughs> things were all of a sudden so out of any kind of normalcy uh, I went from you know I don't I'm not interested in any of this to well I've got to do this I guess so anyway again I don't want to make this about that because that's not what this is about this is mainly about an article that I read that my friend Ernie Dempsey posted on his Facebook page a uh, an opinion piece on Bloomberg. Guy's name is Justin Fox, and the headline is, If you ignore the news, America actually seems pretty nice. And where I messed up was, is I printed this off in a very uh, legible, good-sized font for me to read off of a, a piece of paper that would sound like this, except that I walked off and left it on the GD printer at work. So I don't have a piece of paper to highlight the best parts of this long-winded article. I'm just going to give you the uh, the gist of it and read just a little bit here as I uh, scroll through it. First of all, I thought it uh, there were several points in this. Whether I get to them on this show or not, I'm not sure. But there were several points in this opinion piece and what John Kasich just said on the front end of this segment. That is, if if we can just stay engaged with our communities and stay more involved and just be a little bigger than ourselves in our in our local surroundings. Maybe even, that doesn't mean just Ottawa or East Ridge or Red Bank uh, for, uh, for Adriana Martinez out there in California, if you're still listening. Those are little neighborhoods here in southeastern Tennessee. And, and stay engaged there and maybe even statewide and just, and just be involved in community more than anything. He's right. Nobody ever says, well, hold on a second, before we can go through with this conversation or this idea or this movement, we have to figure out where everybody's political stance is. He's right. Those things don't happen because real life isn't cable television news. Real life isn't Twitter, or at least it it, it often is, and it can be. Again, Twitter can be whatever you want it to be. Real life isn't some of the mess you see on Facebook. Real life isn't the dreck that's all over Snapchat. That's distractions. It's bells. It's whistles. And sometimes it's it's absolute nonsense. And sometimes it's good. It just you know you have to decipher what it is you're looking at and understand what it is that you're looking at. But the basis of this 
Bloomberg opinion piece from Justin Fox posted on October 26th is that he uh, does writing for Bloomberg and he was hitting the road and going across country to try to get a different perspective of what he was doing. And it's very long winded as most of these writers can be. Sometimes I wish it'd just get more down to the point. And then of course this Bloomberg mess is full of clickbait all freaking over it. Jump to one paragraph here that I did note as I'm uh, scrolling. My trip also involved lots of conversations with people about their communities or areas of expertise. Such conversations tend not to focus on national politics, unless, of course, a community is in Washington or the area of expertise is national politics, meaning this dude's just cruising around the country and having real meaningful conversations with sometimes strangers or mild acquaintances or whatever it is, and realizing the rhetoric, the vitriol, the mess you see all over your handheld devices and on your cable TVs, if you're still subscribing to that nonsense, it's not as prevalent as it seems. A little bit more towards the end of this piece. Finally, when you're on a long road trip and are the only driver... There's not much time for social media. I posted some travel photos on Instagram and lots of pictures of artfully swirled cafe lattes on Twitter, but that was about it. Now I'm back in New York and my media diet is back to more or less normal. The sense of calm, remove, and yes, optimism that pervaded my long days of driving has since begun to dissipate. Maybe this just means I'm returning to the real world after an escapist journey. But I also wonder if it's an indication that my normal media diet, even though it's mostly free of such known toxins as Facebook and cable TV news and heavy on old books, is driving me a little nuts. Final paragraph here from Justin Fox and Bloomberg.com. If one exits the rolling media landscape to spend a few weeks interacting with the actual and often spectacular American landscape and talk to people about things not directly related to Donald Trump, this country can actually feel like a pretty calm, friendly, well-functioning place. Maybe it is. But until its citizens find better ways to talk to each other about national issues... It will also probably keep feeling like a country on the brink of something awful. And that gets a little dark there right at the end. But the main point is, if you just talk to random regular people and you're civil and you're cool and you're chill, bro, usually you realize that this is a pretty damn cool place and fun and interesting and fascinating world to live in that is the United States of America. And I think I mentioned it earlier, I started this podcast way long ago tonight. This one's taking several hours because of a handful of different reasons I won't bore you with. But I said that I, or at least I thought anyway, I have a hat that is a political stance that says America is already great. It is the counter move to the MAGA types. And while, yes, I do wear it to make a political stance, especially in areas where I think there might be people who uh, might be of opposite uh, political ideology... I also absolutely mean it. I believe that America is already great. And while, yeah, there's messes here and there, there are things that are broken. Oh, my goodness. I, can, I won't even start on the countless lists of things that are broken and need to be uh, need to be fixed. But many of those things we're not spending a lot of time on. And I'm not going to get into arguments or, or, or a, you know, a, talking points on the way out of a show I'm trying to be totally chill about. But overall, I absolutely, positively do believe that America has always been, 
and is still indeed great. And that's all I got as I'm on my way out the door with Kevin Kinney and a good country mile. It's about a good of a Americana landscape of an incredible area song that you could possibly come up with to uh, to kind of narrate what is just a good old fashioned South, which there's a lot to dislike about it too, but there's also a lot to absolutely love about it. And that's all I got. Thank you so much for finding this weekly podcast. It means the world to me. Y'all take care. We'll see you later. Bye. This dancing and simple song sweets When this town cries, we all cry together When the sky's dark, we all sleep So you take a left turn on the old 29 And you stay on that a good while Till you see a white picket fence and a house on the hill Cause from there you can see the lights You know you're just outside of heaven About a good country mile You know you're just outside of heaven About a good country mile